Hey, husband. Yes, wife. How does an octopus go into war? How? Well armed. Wow. Hey everyone, welcome back to Random's Thoughts. I'm husband and that's wife. And that was a really weird wow. Was it? Was it though? You sounded like like a 1950s cartoon. I'll, I'll admit, I am trying to get weirder wows every time we do it. Okay. So, I don't know. I, we'll I decided a few episodes ago. I, we'll see. Okay. We'll see if I can come up with ones. Anyway, so we're back for episode whatever. Uh, with our yeah. our Gen Con recap. So we have joked in the past, well, the past year or so, mm. that well, we were talking about Gen Con 2017 well into 2018. Yeah, in March? March or something? And not just in the capacity of, oh, well, Gen Con, this happened at that, this deck did well, we're going to, you know, it was, we were still interviewing people in early 2018. Yeah. Which is obviously a, I don't want to say a mistake, or, or I guess it's an error on our part. We really should have gotten to that sooner. It was, we were new, the world was new, it was a new place, it was a new day. Was the world new? We were not quite that organized. Was it, though? It was. Was I'm it? going with it. So, bottom line is, and the reason that we're bringing it up, is that we really wanted to make sure that this year we weren't doing the same thing and retreading the same ground. Yeah, so we wanted to... Get it, have Gen Con happen and be wonderful and try to unpack it as much as humanly possible and then hopefully move on with our lives. So we're not saying we're going to obviously not talk about Gen Con. It's not going to go into a box and never come out again. But it is something that I think we'll reference going forward. We're going to talk about the various metas as we get into everything in future episodes and this one. But we don't want to drag it out and be the only thing that we're talking about. There's a lot of other things to discuss and... You know, There's a lot of other things to there discuss, are. which is super exciting. So, point being is that we tried a different game plan this year, and you, dear listeners, let us know how you feel that went, because we tried to get everything out as quickly as we humanly could in the post-Gen Con weeks. Yeah, so we're still tired from Gen Con, and it's, you know, almost October. Exactly. So we, like I said, we're just trying something new let us know if you feel this format was a little bit better, if it's Fast and Furious is really what people want, or if they wanted, you know, they preferred the more drawn out where we're still covering stuff, which is, you know, a, a reasonable way to do it. Again, we're just trying something different. So we wanted to put that out there because we do have a couple other things to put directly in our listeners' heads that we'll get to in a little while. Yeah. But let's start with the news, wife. All right, well, the news helps provide um, both the future and the past. So... What exactly does that mean? Well, because we're talking about our year a little bit, and we've had a lot of really cool things happening that's going to show the future. So we have... So the most exciting thing that we have is... It's kind of... There's kind of a new situation happening. In the WoW TCG group. Good. Wait, um, I'm not gonna. So we are talking talking to people through the year. We've met, uh, discussed with people who've 
not only play the classic game, which is obviously what husband and I love, but people are playing core. People are playing all sorts of different versions of this game that we know and love. And there's like... There's an end. And there is a very um, not... It's not really a secret. It's a very poorly kept secret that there is going to be a new WoW event. You could say the worst kept secret. Yeah, the worst kept secret so in the WoW TCG is that... What Wife is alluding to, not to step on your toes, Wife, but there are other... We'll call them groups within the WoW TCG community, I yeah. guess is the best way to put it, because I was initially going to say factions, because, you know, Horde versus Alliance, but that sounds directly yeah, adversarial. Yeah, it sound like they're feuding. It's like new... New places have been blossoming throughout the group, and like we were the wow tree, and now we have different blossoms on all the branches, but we're still one big wow Wife, tree. Miss Pandaria was a long time ago. I, I know, the, you know so the card set just came out, but that sort of imagery is Tell from a few years ago. Tell me the analogy didn't work. It didn't. It totally no, worked. Stop. Stop. I'm going to hit you with this pillow. Anyway, so point being is that we had already interviewed a few members of the Texas group that had run a core tournament a few months ago. Mm -hmm. There are plans in the works that Origins next year is going to be hosting some WoW TCG events, and word on the street is there may be some others in between now and then, or maybe at other cons. Yeah, there might be pickup games here and there. Um, <coughs> cough, cough. If anyone is going to PAX Unplugged and is looking for some pickup games, cough, cough. <laughs> yeah, we, here. Yeah, we'll definitely hit people up if you happen to be at PAX Unplugged, but for the stuff that we're hearing is in the works. It sounds as though the efforts made and the tournaments that have happened through the retro wow banner, I guess we'll call it, mm -hmm. have inspired other people to try and make their own efforts. Yeah, which is really great because we're getting more people involved and I don't know, I feel like it would be unfair to Logan to say, Logan, you have to now organize like seven events. Yeah, look, the year. man, I know, I know you got a job, but look, you need to knock that crap off and you need to go to every con and organize right? it now um i think everyone would like i feel like logan would lose his mind and i wouldn't blame him um <laughs> that would be a lot of work for you know not so much reward well it's also i think it's cool to have these other groups to be able to put their mark on the afterlife yeah. of the game so you get the the different flavors you get the different tournament structures or organizational methods or however they want to do it i mean whether it's formats because as we discussed, people are running core, maybe somebody runs contemporary, or please run some more classic, because we love classic. Yes, we do love classic. Yeah. So, um, one of the things related to that, not to digress too much, is wife and I, and we've discussed it with some other people, we think it would be interesting if there was a, a legacy format. So, for those of you that don't play Magic, Magic has a bunch of formats. If you think of it as core is the type 2 or standard analog where it's only the newest stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you have classic slash vintage slash type 1, which is everything ever, with some notable exceptions. Then you have contemporaries, probably a good analog to modern, where it's, okay, here was where there was a change in design philosophy. Everything from that point and forward is legal. Mm-hmm. There isn't really anything that's an analog to Legacy, which is, in Magic, it's virtually every card ever, except you take all the super powerful ones and those are banned. Yeah, so like Broderick, or... Yeah, for us... It... For us, it, yeah, for us, it, I, I have no Magic references, so I'm going <laughs> back to us. 
For us, it would be like Broderick, Broderick Tusker Kite. Um, has Rihanna, has Rihanna, Death Wish, Blizzard. All the ones that have been discussed when bands come out. Like, exactly. That they're mentioned, but we're not quite sure if we should bite the bullet. So there are a lot of questions that go along with this, whether it would actually be a, a good format at all. That's kind of an obvious one. Mm-hmm. But there's no real way to know. No, and I, but I do think it would be fun to test, mainly because we have a bunch of Tier 1 decks that use these Tier 1 cards. It would be fun to see what... 1.5 and 2 come up with. Like, yeah. there might be something, even to, just by experimenting with this, there might be something waiting just in the wings that could actually take over these cards that no one's ever really mentioned before because, well, play what you know. Well, it's also, you, because, the, there's a reason different formats exist, and it's not strictly when a game is alive to sell cards. I mean, yes, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, part of it is also introducing different play experiences. So, while I love classic, every once in a blue moon, it's fun to branch out and be like, okay, well, I'm going to play this fun deck. So we play casual stuff. But maybe I want to still be competitive, but maybe lop off the stuff that's been dominating tier one. Because what does classic look like if Hezriana's not there? What does classic look like if Envoy of Mortality's not there, or Unholy Power's not there, or Lesson of the Nether is not there, or... You know, and the list goes on. Maybe the ban list for this hypothetical format is literally 100 cards. You know, take the Mm -hmm. top 100 best cards, ban them, see what happens. And I think that would be interesting because, you know, maybe we'll see a lot more of the first few sets pop up than we have been. It's possible. I mean, the interactions between some of the obscure things could turn out to be interesting. I mean... I'm not saying this has to happen, and by all means, I would definitely love to play more tried-and-true classic, because I think the format's a lot of fun, and I think a lot of people will enjoy it if they give it a chance. I personally am not super excited about Core, but as we said, as long as people are playing and they're having fun, I don't really care. I would love to talk about a Core tournament again. Yeah, I would love to try Core again, because I think the last time I really played Core was when it was uh, right... Before before the newest set and when it was miserable to be playing Core. Well, the last time we really played Core was before they banned Leader of the Pack. Yeah. And it was and it was, was viewless so wings, like a... as far as the eye can see kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it really was. I, I'm, I'm, somebody's going to correct us, but I can't remember when that was banned or how long it existed. Or maybe it was in Contemporary, but there were, there were a lot of upsetting games, we'll say, yes. during that time frame. So it's not something that, you know, you get in your head, oh, well, core is not fun. But as evidenced by the Lubbock, Texas event, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Mm -hmm. So I think there's advantages to having these other groups run their own thing because it's cool to get that microcosm. It's also fun to run all these other events and other formats because then you, you just get this larger and more interesting set of ideas yeah and what we love the most you get more discussion about wow yeah um and that is the most important part so here's one another point that we'll put out to the readers or readers well i guess some some of you may or may not be readers of our site uh but the listeners what do you prefer do you prefer classic do you prefer core contemporary does this idea of a of classic one-half instead of legacy, whatever it ends up being called, if it exists, are those things you're interested in? Would you want to see more 
wacky formats like Chaos. I know Dane. Well, I'm everybody wants to run more two pack, but it. <laughs> if only we could run two pack with Reign of Chaos, but those packs are probably like fifteen dollars oh. or something silly now. <laughs> yeah, but. Damien from the MetaMart years ago had run Highlander tournaments. We've talked about them before. Would that be something you'd want to see? Since these events and these other groups are seeming to, you know, get the ball rolling and the wheels turning, jump in early. Yeah. If you're if somebody posts something in the group or or in Discord or whatever about this stuff, definitely speak up to to let people know what you want to see because that's how things are going to happen. If people don't know, they don't know. <laughs> yeah. You got to say something for them to make them aware. So that was the big news item that we had coming up, and we're definitely going to keep you know keep our ears open, keep our eyes open, see how that shapes up because I'm very excited about it. Yes. So Origins is looking spicy this year. Yes. Now since it is Origins is pretty close to Gen Con, it's going to be a challenge for us personally, but. I'm obviously going to be following it even if we can't physically make it. Yeah, he'll be, uh, those of you uh, who are going, he'll be having you like FaceTime him or Skype him into yeah. the games. I, I foresee it now. If there's enough service, I would love to like live cast some of the matches it from here and then like live stream it. All right, we're going to take a note for that for later, well, and then we're going to continue on. Speaking, well, we later is now, wife, because we're moving on to some other news for us, so... Gen Con kind of culminates and is the end of our gaming calendar each year. It really is. It's, um, we build up, we build up, we build up, it's over. Oh, and we get some time to relax, and then we build up, we build up, we build up, and then it's over. Well, it, it ties into what we were just saying, that it's good that these other groups and other events are showing up, because while we do love playing at Gen Con and we love going to Gen Con, it does kind of suck that it's... Only once a year. Yeah, it's only once a year. It's far away, and like uh, many people have said, Gen Con's kind of expensive, and it's especially hard if we're, you know, if you are just really want to play WoW, it's kind of an expensive trip just to play WoW. Exactly. Now, that's not to say that you can't certainly find something else to do. No, there's a billion of Maybe in the do. con, maybe not so much in the city. You hit, Maybe. Uh, well, there are people like going bar hopping in that city, which I don't understand. But no, what go... I don't understand is those stupid bicycle things. It's like a thousand I degrees, I don't and you're drinking. Them I can't reach the pedals. I sat on one once, and that, it was that's really not... unfortunate. I don't think you don't understand is the appropriate description. Okay, there. I don't like it because I can't reach the pedals. <laughs> but seriously, <laughs> it's like a thousand degrees there in the middle of August or the beginning of August, and you're drinking. Be Whatever. I'll. I'm yeah. not going to go on this yeah. tirade this, again. This. I hear this three times every Gen Con for as long as we've gone. But anyway, so, you could learn how to ballroom dance. You could learn how to tango. There's lots of things to do at Gen but Con. But the point is, is that it is a challenge to go to Gen Con for a number of reasons. Yeah. And I can certainly understand why someone would actively choose not to go, even if they wanted to participate. So it's great that things are showing up at other points in the year, in other places, because it gives people more opportunities to get together and play this, play games. Yeah. So... The reason we wanted to bring that up, as we said, Gen Con currently kind of is the end of our gaming year. We cool down a little bit at this point in time, and then it ramps back up in the next part of the year. We wanted to give a big shout-out to those people that are going to be organizing stuff, because otherwise, it 
it's great to have the championship, but you really need to spread it out so that we can get a little more growth in the community as a whole. Yeah, and hopefully all these events help grow the community just like Gen Con does because we saw new faces at Gen Con this year. Yeah, it was great to, to get some new people, including our new guest writer, Woodrow, who's now the reigning champion. True. As well as some other people from his group that came out. It was great that they were able to make it. Hopefully we can get some more returning people next year. Or, you know, as we said, grow into other areas. Other groups that we were participating in, such as the Harry Potter group, are taking the same tact, which is awesome as well. They are going to be expanding to run independent events. It sounded as though outside of cons themselves, just actually hosting an event, renting a yep. hall or whatever, which is also great. Yeah, which is really exciting. Um, a lot of them look like they're going to be taking place in the Midwest, which is fine because I understand that that's a hub for many of you who play the Harry Potter TCG. It is sad for those of us on the East Coast, but we will look on in jealousy. Well, there's always a chance that somebody's going to come out here and run something to pack some plug for any of these games. It is true. There is the potential, and there are some other games that we'll get to later that hopefully are also going to have a presence at PAX Unplugged. Yes. But as for Random's thoughts, the reason we keep harping on this end-of-year thing is it... Although we had done this, I think, literally at the end of the calendar year... 2017 to 2018, mm -hmm. we did kind of want to do a, a short recap of where we are, husband and wife, and as far as Random's thoughts goes, and then what we would like to do in the future. And then also put a call out to you, dear listeners, to tell us what you want more of. So we did get some feedback before, and well, we might as well let the cat out of the bag. So we are experimenting with getting a live stream going on Twitch. Yes. So, um... For those of you who may remember, we tried the YouTube thing, and we did have one successful video with Gruff. Super exciting. Yes, so definitely However, check that out if you get the chance. That was a lot of work, and um, trying to do it with WoW kept breaking it. Well, the biggest issue was the software we were yeah. using. It just turned into a disaster, and we it, it was just bad. We'll yeah. leave it at that. So, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely just leave it there, but... Twitch opens up a whole new avenue. As well as using the tools that are, such as OBS, that are typically used in order to stream, I think are going to make the back end a lot simpler for us. So yeah. hopefully, maybe in the future, we could do video interviews and we'll live stream them, rip the video to YouTube, and then extract the audio and send that out as a podcast. So if people out there are listening to this are interested in that sort of content, let us know because we definitely want to try and pursue that. I do have some stuff in the works because, as I said, the, the Twitch channel is already live. So it's twitch.tv slash wingedweasel, all one word, because it's my personal one. Yes. It's probably rebranded as Random's Thoughts. Everybody knows who you are. It's well, fine. Yeah, but it's good to have everything under the same umbrella. This is true. But we've I've already streamed a little bit of StarCraft Two, WarCraft Three, and... As we said before, the cooldown after Gen Con is we usually play other stuff for a while, so I've been playing a lot of Mutant Football League because currently the Giants are atrocious. Yes, they are, and he means the New York Giants. Yes. So, I've been, if <laughs> quick digression. Mutant Football League, if you've ever played Mutant League Football on Sega Genesis from back in the day, or Mutant League Hockey, same guys came back with a new team. And they they were actually at Gen Con a few years they ago. Were. This is how we discovered it. Um, and I lost my he, mind in the exhibitor hall. I swear to God, I thought he, like, throws his arm out, 
goes, oh my god! And like, I was like, did he run into an ex-girlfriend? Is like his best friend from a long time? He's just, he runs over to this to this stand. It's like, I loved this game. This was the greatest game ever. Oh my, do you have anything I can buy? What do you yeah. want me to so, do? So I got a t-shirt. I got all the business cards. I kickstarted it. I actually have a player in the game on the micro hard mutilators. I'm pretty sure they were laughing about him for about 45 minutes. My player's name is Choptimus Spine. Of course it is. So he should have been, so for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, Mutant Football League is a parody of the NFL. So MFL, NFL. They have a bunch of parody teams. Not all the teams are in there, but they're all a big joke. The entire thing is NFL blitz style. So it's arcadey, way over the top, air quotes, football. So it follows mostly the rules of American gridiron football, but there are some variations, so the number of players is different. Uh, you can bribe the ref. You can kill the ref. You can call dirty tricks, such as literally giving your running back a chainsaw. Can't you also, like, plant landmines throughout the No, field? there are landmines just on the oh, field. Oh, they're just there? Okay. Yeah, they're just on the field. It depends right. on the field. That's so, fine. for example, if you play I at... I shouldn't have asked. I forget what it's called, but Lambeau Field has, you know, some parody name. The entire field is, it's literally a giant sheet of ice. The whole field. Of course it is. Because it's frozen. Uh, I get it. They just came out with a beta, which should be releasing, I think they just said it, like the end of October, right in time for Halloween, where they're going to release new teams, including werewolves, demons, and a bunch of new parody teams, such as the New Gorleans Zombies, which is obviously the New Orleans Saints. And they're run by? No. Come on. No. Ugh. No. I don't actually remember me. his in-game name. Oh, uh, fine. It was like it was it was a parody on Drew Brees, which made me happy. Well, they have to parody all the star players. I understand it. So it's a really fun game. You can get it on Steam. You can get it on any of the major consoles. I may not be on the Switch, but in any case, it's a lot of fun, and the the voice work is spectacular. The game itself is really well done. But anyway, the crass jokes inside are pretty fantastic. Oh, it's as well. it's super crass. So if you Potentially will get offended by either the over-the-top violence, and it's super cartoony. It's not like, yeah. you know, it's not Mortal Kombat levels, which is also cartoony. What are the Mortal Kombat, like the newer ones, takes it a step to, yeah, uh, like that x-ray vision thing where you see what's happening inside the body. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't appreciate that in any way. This is not like that. This is, um, you know, the spurts of red pixels everywhere yeah it, it's super goofy lots of montezuma's revenge yeah there, there's a very long joke about montezuma's revenge yes. which i won't spoil for people because it's hilarious you have to hear it from grim blitzrow and brickhead mulligan those are the announcers oh and and mini brick who's the mutant hobbit head that lives on brick of course anyway enough spoilers for that so point is is that we do have a live twitch channel we're going to try and do more on there and then hopefully that will make it a little bit easier to add more YouTube content because it does seem people prefer that yeah. in a lot of cases. But again, let us know whether you do or don't. Leading to, we're from there, we mentioned our guest writers, and we have yes. two right now. So Woodrow, reigning Wild TCG champion, and Sammy from the Harry Potter group have been doing a great job. So shout out to them. Yes, we really, really appreciate your work, and um, it's really great to hear different people talking about these games other than the two of us. And also, 
if anyone else is looking and potentially interested to write up some things, please feel free. Send us a message. Send us an email. We will get you started because yeah, we are excited to hear from as many people as humanly possible. Yeah, we can certainly work something out and communicate how everything goes on that end. And it doesn't necessarily have to be for WoW or Harry Potter because we do want to expand in some other games. The Transformers TCG, which we'll talk about a little bit later, I'm going to be super into. We're obviously... Well, we're going to touch on Lightseekers in a few minutes as yes. well. But that's another game that we're heavy into. As I mentioned, I would love to just talk about I mean, Football League all the time. Yes, he would. I would love to talk about Warcraft 3 and Starcraft 2 all the time. But anyway, enough... Side digression. So, bottom line is definitely hit us up at any of our usual contacts if you're interested in either contributing or if you'd love to hear more about these things because, you know, we're doing this for fun. We're going to be doing it anyway, but we might as well produce stuff that we both enjoy and other people enjoy. So, moving from there, we also wanted to do quick Gen Con recap so that we aren't talking about it, like we said, from now until next June. Yeah. So, we'll start with WoW. What are your thoughts overall on how the WoW event went down this year, wife? I think the WoW event was great. Um, I will admit, like I've said before, by the time the WoW event happened, I was dead on my feet and falling asleep as well, I was you playing. you keep doing that stupid 5K. I like the 5K. Stop harping on the 5K. Well, then um, you can't complain. <laughs> I'm not complaining. I You're am just, complaining. No, I was stating the fact that I was moderately delirious. Um, however, I did have a lot of fun playing, even if husband destroyed my breakers. Yes, I did kill everyone's breakers because I did terrible. So I mentioned it in the, uh, the day of recording, I guess Mm -hmm. we'll call it, from when we were physically at Gen Con, we got back to the hotel room. I played terrible, I made a poor deck choice, and I hope nobody, you know, I was... A little upset with myself, and I hope nobody interpreted that as me being upset with them because I was just disappointed in myself for how I played and how I did. Yes, he internalizes things real good. So, in retrospect, I kind of, because we were preparing for the Lightseekers event, it definitely influenced what we were playing for WoW and for Harry Potter because we had thought we pinned down what we wanted to do for those other two games early on, and then we were going to focus on the live game because there was a lot of money on the line. Yes. And it turned out in the... So our game plan initially was in January, we were going to be testing the hell out of these other games. And then we'd solidify it by, you know, a few months after that. And then when we got close, we'd be testing Lightseekers. And then right before Gen Con, we'd go, okay, let's run through our other decks again just to get a better feel for it since we it was some time removed. For me personally, my deck started doing so terrible that I shelved it at the 11th hour for something I played a couple years ago, and I should have audibled, I definitely should have audibled out of it, but I should have audibled to something else. Yeah. Um, I stuck, I had two options, and I stuck with one of those two options. Wasn't the best choices in the world, but I liked it. So I was originally going to play basically Google Shaman with... Uh, Merc Deep, who is the Murloc Shaman. Yeah, he's obsessed with Merc Deep. Well, no, I'm obsessed with Signet of Manifested Pain. So here's one of those cards that I don't know if it would meet the ban list of our hypothetical classic format, because... So, in Throne of the Tides and other sets, there were a number of cards that cared about what the race and or class of your other cards was. 
Well, there are very the, prior to that there there weren't any Murloc heroes, there weren't any ogre heroes, there weren't any Naga heroes, there weren't any of these things. But each of those have at least one class, shaman in some cases, mage and others, that can play Signet of Manifested Pain. So guess what? Mert Deep's flip means that Signet of Manifested Pain only deals one damage to you because you're going to heal one. And it deals one to your opponent. Oh, and you're making all these Murloc tokens. Oh, you're playing Google Shaman, so you're going to Ancestral Awakening out Swift Eye, who is a base 0, zero but gets plus 3, plus 3 for every Murloc ally and hero you have. So odds are he's coming out as a minimum 9-9. Nine, nine. And then if you have a Signet and you make another token, he's a 12-12. Yeah, it gets ridiculous pretty fast. And if they Hezriana it, it's like, oh, who cares? She gets pretty nothing. much nothing. Yeah. It it had a lot of, oh, and Gobbler was going to be my sweeper. It gave me an excuse to run uh, Murgle, 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 or whatever he's called, the, the promo Murloc. Yeah, so basically it was goofy stuff that you don't get to see making it ridiculous. But it was so close, so maybe it works in this hypothetical format, but it, it just started rolling over. It has a bad time against uh, werewolves. And it had a bad time against a bunch of other stuff. So I was going to audible to Pants or Boomkin. And I decided to play my Scourge deck. It didn't work out. Bottom line is, it didn't go well. No. For me, personally. The only other thing is, I thought it was a little odd that we only did three rounds. Yeah, that was a little rough. I think I could have redeemed myself and maybe not hit top two. But I definitely would have done better. Well, possibly. Because you would have played... Uh, you pr did you play Nathan? No. no. You probably would have played Nathan because he won against Woodrow in the uh, First, Swiss yeah. rounds. And if you won there, you probably would have top two'd. Yeah, so that would have depended. Um, I don't remember exactly how it broke down, but in my head, I, that makes sense. But I might not have won my Sylvanas Vinyl Pop, so I'm okay. Well, that's true. I'm, <laughs> the Silver I'm okay lines. where I am. Um, I, I, did, I did all right playing, and I, I got a little door prize, and... Those of you who know me, I like merch better than I like just yeah. about anything. So the the only other thing that I thought was a little disappointing is that nobody was brave enough to play monks. This is true. Um, I did get to play in like a side round with uh, Logan. Um, I play, played he played a monk deck uh, against me real quick, but then we had to stop mid game because it was time for the next round, which was disappointing. Yeah, it. I was like I said, I was disappointed that nobody tried it. Now, granted, the monk set as it stands, and this is from the people who designed it, they had intentionally kept the power level a little lower, which I personally feel was appropriate. Yeah, especially for the first set. It's you're building the base for monks. I think it would be and would leave a poor taste in everyone's mouth if the first player made set came out and it was twice as powerful as Scourge War. Yeah, I think that would uh, wrestle a lot of Jimmy's. And bottom line is I think it's okay. I was a little surprised that no one played the aggro monk with... Uh, now, I, I should have wrote this down ahead of time, but whatever the talent is, it lets you recur stuff. Mm -hmm. Because then, you know, whether it's in blue for Vacus or it's in red for Dagax, it seemed like it could have done some nasty things. So I was a little surprised at that. But can't have everything. And plus with the new sets on the horizon or maybe a little bit farther out than the horizon... There's going to be more support for monks, so maybe everything will come together then. Mm -hmm. So, moving on from the WoW event, any thoughts on the Harry Potter event, wife? Um, I think Stefan always puts together a great event. I really like 
he always has good prize support, um, which is fun. He had the totes for everybody, and then he has, like, the most badass trophies that you can make on a budget in yeah. the world. Those are those are some um, really sweet trophies. I appreciate, you can, you look at them and it's, okay, this is not, you know, the Lombardi trophy, but you can look at it and go, there was a lot of effort put into this, and you can appreciate what, we, you what really it is. You really can. Um, and that, that event, I feel like grows exponentially every year. Yeah, we, um, it grew by a lot. There were a lot of returning people and we got some interesting visitors. Yes, we did get some interesting visitors. So we met one of the original designers of the game, which was incredibly Who was exciting. still at Wizards of the Coast and designing yeah. stuff. So she came by and was talking with people, definitely put some interesting thoughts in people's heads as to what they thought the game was as far as what the meta was. Yeah. But there wasn't really an intent for competitive play, mm-hmm. she said. So she was just excited, it sounded, that people are still playing it. Yeah. She seemed both excited and a little surprised that people were still playing it. Well, to be fair, the game stopped being printed in, what, 2003? Don't make me feel that old. So, it was a long time yeah. ago. And, understandably, given the way this market works for most games lately, Yes, there's always a concentrated number of people. They'll play it at home or whatever, but it usually drops off. Mm-hmm. This has kept a diehard following. And it is something, I think, to aspire to with the way Stefan has been running stuff as a good model for the WoW group. Yeah. Because Stefan's been running it for a little bit longer than Retro WoW has existed or however long mm-hmm. those have been running. But it's also... The way he organizes it and the way everything's structured and the outreach that he does, it, it is something that it's impressive outside looking in. It, you can, Again, you can appreciate the work that goes into his organization. Yes, you really, really can. Um, and because of that, I'm, I'm just going to say it, we got some cool news from Stefan as well. Well, we got a lot of cool news. Yes. So if you are a Harry Potter fan and haven't listened to the interview... Go listen to the interview, but we'll yeah. give you a quick recap. Um, so the quick recap is, oh my god, Mulligans! So, and a sideboard, well, and the, a watch list. Yeah, so it's he's like introducing all those big kid toys right? from the tournament structure, and I think, I don't want to say they're needed, because the game is fun, but I think in order for it to grow, these are going to be necessary. Yeah, and I think there was a large portion of the population petitioning for a mulligan, so I think most people are excited. But I, that. I again, not to overutilize the word, but I can appreciate that he didn't just cave five yes. years ago. It's that he, okay, we've played a number of years. I've played a lot of it. I've examined it. We're comfortable taking these baby steps. Yeah, and, and I think it's he. He never does something without data behind it, which I really do appreciate. Yeah, and it's. The the end goal is that everybody has a good time, that there's a good experience for everybody involved, and having a knee-jerk reaction wouldn't be an appropriate way to handle that. No. And this keeps everything flowing smoothly. So we got all that exciting news. He also had hinted at the idea that maybe he's looking into custom sets. So yes. that's super exciting, too, because that game doesn't even have the wealth of card pool that WoW does or even a lot of other games, and it could certainly use the infusion. Yeah, we have, what, four sets? And the thing is, is that there's such bizarre numbers. Chamber, Diane, Quidditch, original. Yep. But And then the starters had some starter unique cards. Um, most right? of those were in the original set. But the point the is, set. is that 
those sets weren't even, you know, we're not talking 300 card sets. Wasn't no. there one only like 80 cards? Yeah, so two were 80 and then the other two were like 120. So we're talking a small core format, kind of, or small type 2 format, where yeah. it's not even full-fledged, we'll call it. Yeah. So there's definitely some unexplored themes, and I'm excited to see where it goes. I am as well. So should we talk about our other major... So, yeah, well, let's talk about, um, before we get into it, because that's going to be a larger discussion, yeah. so one other thing that I wanted to cover was a different game that we, I knew about going in, I was very excited for, I'm still very excited for, and that I'm going to be He was always going to be excited for it. So, the Transformers TCG, I got the opportunity to demo it at Gen Con, and mm -hmm. it was fantastic. It's actually releasing within 10 days, by at yes. the time of this recording. So, I got my stuff pre-ordered. They're doing their whole hype machine with doing uh, previews and spoilers, and it is exciting. The, so one of the things I love about it, if you haven't checked it out, you can go over to Hasbro uh, it, or just Google Hasbro Transformers TCG. You will find it. There's groups on Facebook. There's a Discord channel. Uh, there's a number of people on Twitter talking about it. And it's a bunch of current magic designers that are working on this project. So you know that there's a pedigree there. It's not just, yeah. we took a bunch of interns and said, oh, it's it's a brand. People will buy it whether it's, you know, crap or not. So we'll just throw no names on it. No, these are people that know what they're doing. And you can see in the cards, the rules are very, very simple. But you can see in the cards themselves that there's an incredible amount of depth as they are planning ahead. Yeah, they really, they really are. And... I, from what I overhear, because you guys know I'm not the greatest person on forums because I get lost quickly, people are somewhat upset about the simplicity and, like, just look at chess and simple things can be very, very complex. Look at Go. So yes. Go is, is an incredibly deep game. So there's a, in general, in game design, there's a difference between complexity and depth. Just because something is super complicated doesn't mean it has a whole lot of strategic depth. And similarly, just because something is simple doesn't mean that it can't have a whole lot of strategic depth. You could have, you know, if you picture an XY axis, you can go in any which direction and end up with more or less of one or the other. Mm -hmm. So I think the game has a lot of potential. I'm definitely very excited. They have a whole bunch of artwork from the comics, which is great because they're, yeah. and they're, they're not just picking standard characters with the base set. So, for example, you're obviously going to get your Optimuses and your Bumblebees and your Starscreams and your Megatrons, but they're picking, like, Chromia and Darkmount. And Cup. Well, I mean, people know Cup, but yeah, he would probably qualify as a B-lister. Yeah, he wasn't, in, he wasn't in the Bay movies, so I'm going to say They released him as a toy, but yeah, he Did wasn't... They? Well, he, they made versions of just about everybody okay. as a toy, but they weren't necessarily in the movies. Okay. But even a lot of people, when they think of G1, don't even remember Season 3, because after the movie came out, a lot of the characters like Cup kind of, they became the main characters. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people try and forget that. Yeah, well, because wasn't that the whole thing with Optimus dying and then everybody left and... Well, it was wasn't that everybody spoiler? left. There's a, there's a uh, yeah, 30 years that, later, like 30 35 year years yes. later. <laughs> spoiler, uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, like, just so you know, Optimus dies a lot. Yeah. But freaking all the time. But before we, because uh, I'll, I don't want to digress because we yeah. will be here for a while. So, 
point is, is I think the game's really cool. Definitely check it out. We're going to be doing more content for it. So heads up on that one. But one of the main things we wanted to talk about was Lightseekers. Yes. So um, I guess to talk about Lightseekers, you kind of got to start at the very beginning. Do we? So we'll quick recap. Um, we found this game. We really liked it. We played it with each other, found out we did it completely wrong. Uh, went to uh, PAX Unplugged, found out we had been playing completely wrong. Um, played some more, somehow managed to make top eight while playing completely wrong. No, we played right at that point. <laughs> well, yeah, we had uh, actually learned the game by that point. Learned, <laughs> Appropriately um, learned the game. We made top eight at Unplugged, which retroactively put us in the national event at Gen Con for Lightseekers. So the way their qualifications were, because nationals were a known thing, but there wasn't a lot of information at that time. So we knew yeah. nationals were going to happen, but we didn't know when or where or how you qualify or any of that stuff. So it turns out that if you top eight at any of the PAX events, you qualified. Or you could play in, there were actual qualifiers throughout the season leading mm -hmm. up to it. So we had ended up placing well in other qualifiers. So I guess we would have qualified even if we didn't get it, True. You know, retroactively, but... But the good part about there is... It took uh, a lot of pressure off. Yeah. It, the good part about their format is that if someone who uh, does well at another qualifier has already qualified, then it trickles down. Yeah. Which the, is nice. The qualifications pass down, which is great because, sure, everybody has that moment where it's like, oh, I'm going to crush somebody's dreams and take their qualifications. It's like, yeah, but it's better if you just gave them the qualification. Yeah. And it still maintains the integrity of the event because then someone is still playing as to the best of their ability and not going to throw something and be like, oh, well, you didn't qualify. You know, I'll, I'll concede. Yeah. So we played at PAX. I'll admit, I think we qualified simply because we are more experienced card players at that event. I, I definitely think that's true. Um, there were a lot of people who even said this was their first time playing a card game. They were just... Let alone first time playing Light Seekers. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of new people playing Lightseekers, a lot of people new to Lightseekers, a lot of people new to card games. Yeah. And so I think we did well because of that. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to my girl Cora because I wanted to buy a figure, so I bought a figure and that's what <laughs> helped me win. Um, but, so yeah, we did, we did pretty well at the PAX event, um, but I definitely agree with you. A lot of it has to do with the fact that we have a lot of experience playing card games as opposed to with Lightseekers. So if we take a time jump forward from there, basically, as we said, we played at PAX, we played in some qualifiers. Eventually we learned around May, that May, June, so that the U.S. Nationals was actually going to have a different format than the U.K. Nationals. So yes. there is no Worlds currently, although word on the street is that may happen next year, but... The UK Nationals was your, we'll call it standard, normal, constructed. You show up with your deck, you show up with your sideboard, you play best two out of three. Anybody who's played WoW or Magic or virtually every other card game is familiar with that structure. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. There was a small detail on their website, their tournament page, for a very long time. For something called Advanced Constructed. Mm -hmm. So Advanced is, if you played Hearthstone, and we're seeing Hearthstone tournaments, it's not unlike Conquest, or my understanding of Conquest. You show up with three decks, no sideboards. You can't play the same hero 
across your three decks. And in this case, there was an extra caveat that it can't be the same order. So if you're playing a mountain, a red hero, you can't play another red hero. So you could do red, yellow, green, but you could not do red, red, green, if that yeah. makes sense. Before the match, you and your opponent will give each other your heroes and then secretly ban one of them. Whatever one's banned, you cannot play in that match. You then have to win with each of your other two decks. I know that sounds like a lot, but this is where the discussion comes in. Yeah. So, um, we had a lot of, would it be fair to say, trepidation yeah, about there were, this event? We had a lot of initial misgivings. because So, first thing off the bat is it was announced that it was going to be this like two months before Gen Con. Yeah, which is tough for a number of reasons. Yes. One which... Um, the singles market, while it existed, was not that thriving at the time, so extra pressure there. Because, um, and for us specifically, because we have to build now six decks out of a single collection. Yeah, so six decks, one collection, it's a little stressful. Now we could, you know, possibly, potentially buy two collections worth of cards, but that's a slightly out of... Gets pricey the, real yeah, quick. Yeah, that gets really expensive really quickly. Um, so we had to build six decks when we had anticipated only building two. Um, and then, and then we had to test for six decks. Right. Um, It becomes, um, so it's one thing to play every deck in the format. It's another thing where you have, and then you go, oh, well, I decided I'm going to play this. I'm going to learn all the matchups inside now. Well, now you need to learn all of these combinations and all of these permutations because, oh, well, what if they decide to ban it, and they happen to have these three, and I ban that? And it adds another layer, Yeah. which we'll get into it in a second. I'm not a fan of. Yeah, but we'll, we'll just talk about the event itself. And then there was another um, big fear, at least, where I was concerned and where husband was concerned as well. But I was really, really worried about the length of time it would take for bans. Yeah, so typically um, there's 50-minute rounds. Yes. So now our fear, fears were um, allayed by the fact that they did increase it to an hour. And um, the ban process went much more smoothly yeah, than the, I anticipated. The sheer logistics of doing it because it was going to be new, and maybe we should have felt this way going in, that anybody who's qualified for nationals obviously is going to put in the effort. As we talked about, it's expensive to go to Gen Con. You're playing for, you're playing with the big dogs, and you're playing for the big prizes. So you'd expect that people are going to put in their homework. And as a result, people aren't going to just sit there and dirtle. They're going to yeah. know what they want to do. Yeah. Um, I was worried about, you know, analysis paralysis. But like husband said, a lot of that was fixed by the fact that we have experienced players coming in to play this round. Right. Um, and the process went really smoothly, so you just put all your heroes in the same sleeves, you put them face down, they do the same thing, and you mystery ban one. It made it a lot easier. I think I was unsure of how the process was actually going to work, so I think that also freaked me out a little bit. But Husband, thankfully, was able to play in a advanced event before Gen Con, so... I didn't go into it as panicking as much as I think I would have initially. Now, that brings up a good point, though, wife. So, 
as we said, it was going to be a different format from UK Nationals. Okay, fine. Formats are different. Other games have done, well, one's limited, one's constructed. Yeah. Whatever, that's fine. The issue, one of the issues I had going in is that this was the first and at the time of the announcement, the only ever advanced constructed event. Which... Now, I I get it. It's... It's exciting from the outside looking in because it's like, oh, what are all the, you know, the top players going to do when they get thrown into this scenario where there's no data to draw on? Personally, I hate it. Yeah. I don't like it. I like to do research. I like to prepare. I want to know. And I didn't feel comfortable going in at all to this. It was really hard feeling like a guinea pig going into Nashville. That's exactly it. It was, you really felt like we were... It felt almost like we were all guinea pigs going into nationals. Now, again, it, from the outside looking in, it's a great hype mechanism. It there's You can make all these arguments about how it's a great format, which we'll get into in a minute. I, I understand why it was done the way it was done. I just personally don't like it. Yeah, and it was definitely rough for it being nationals. Exactly. So, um, But luckily, I think a couple of stores recognized that. Um, and added a couple other advanced events beforehand, at least to get it out of the way so everybody could practice. So before we get too much more into advanced, because it is something that we, that we have a lot more to elaborate on, let's talk about the event wife, because speaking of other stores and trying to work together, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about let's, the let's event. That. So the event was great. Um, we'll start with, we'll start with that. However... Um, there were many, it was a little intimidating. I don't know. Do you think it was a little intimidating? It was, I don't want to say intimidating, but it was definitely surprising. I was, Um, I was honestly surprised at how many jerseys there were. Yes. So you don't expect to go into Gen Con and like see game jerseys. Um, except we did a now, lot of them. Now, we're not talking about somebody walking around in an Odell Beckham jersey. We're not talking about somebody walking around in any, like, a Phillies jersey or, you know, anything like that. We're talking about actual card game teams. So Superior Seekers felt like it was at least a third of the tournament. Right? So, um, they all had probably the coolest jerseys. Um, I really do think their jerseys look yeah, really nice. really awesome. So one of the cool things, if so you can see the videos on the Light Seekers channel. Obviously, Dradalus was on there. Somewhat. Dr. Alice. Just a little bit. And uh, I'm sure some of the other Superior Seekers were on camera. I'm not sure exactly who. But each of them had their state on the sleeve. That was actually, that was... Like, I thought I, that was really cool. I forgot cool. about that until you just mentioned it. And that was incredibly cool. Now, that wasn't the only team that was there, though. No, there was... There were many teams. I felt a little outnumbered. So, spoiler alert, Stupnik ended up winning the event. Yes. So he avenged his loss of previous packs to Dr. Adalis, or Dr. Mm-hmm. Adalis, uh, and his team for his store came out in force as well. Yeah, they had, I want to say at least six, maybe more. So there was a significant, the, <laughs> we'll talk about the teamless people were vastly outnumbered. Yeah, yeah, um, so... We'll speed forward a little bit, but uh, day two for the top 16, I think there were three of us who were not team members. Yeah, and everyone, so there was also, we'll call them a team. 
But they weren't wearing jerseys. The, no, uh, the they White were Wizard even team. more intimidating. Yeah, so the, there was a, a group of players that I think were all White Wizard employees. They mm-hmm. produced Star Realms and some other games. And they were all dressed to the nines. Like, yeah. straight up dress shirts and ties, and they looked professional. They looked like they were coming in to take names, and um, and I was a little intimidated that they were going to take mine. So, yeah, and they looked sharp. This isn't meant to be insulting, so nobody no. take it that way. They looked sharp. But There it's... was one with a ducky tie, which um, PM me, because I want to know where you got that. <laughs> so, but it is something abnormal. You don't typically, you know, people show up in, you know, X-Men t-shirts, or I'm in my Transformers gear, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It's gym yeah. shorts and or jeans or whatever, and Something they're they cozy. are yeah they are dressed up and they look sharp. So it was definitely interesting. Shout out to them for that. Yes. But so, speaking of them, yes, they uh, created uh, the the talk of the town for the event. So for our Wow listeners out there, we always refer back to 2011, I think it was for Vegas uh, again, national U.S. nationals. Where two independent teams happened to break the format. Yes, they did. With different decks. Mm-hmm. So the <laughs> Jim Kandazoika's team had thought that they did it with Spider Solitaire. And that deck is nuts and probably is ultimately the better overall deck. But Tim Batow, <laughs> with his creative <laughs> mind, came up with the nuts yeah. in Bunnies. Where it's a hyper uninteractive combo deck. Well... Jumping back to Lightseekers, it wasn't a combo deck. I mean, I guess it was a combo deck, but it's really a prison lock deck. Mm -hmm. And the White Wizard team kind of skirted the rules, and this will lead into our uh, further advanced discussion, but they kind of beat the rules of advance by playing effectively the same deck three three times. times with three different heroes. So what did the deck do in a nutshell, wife? So the... In a nutshell, the deck didn't let you do anything. That was the plan of the deck. So um, they had a series of lockout cards where you couldn't play cards, you couldn't discard cards. You no, couldn't, you couldn't draw, you couldn't, couldn't attack, draw, you couldn't attack, and you couldn't buff. And you couldn't buff. And then there was, um, so you pretty much just passed your turn. So to, spell, to elaborate on that for our WoW or Harry Potter people that may be listening, picture, so you can't play... Equipment, allies, or abilities, if you're playing WoW. Or if you're playing Harry Potter, you can't play spells, items, or locations. Yep. So the way Lightseekers works is all of, well, not all, but most of your permanents are on a timer. Eventually, they run out and leave play. This entire deck was designed around playing these lock pieces and just looping them forever. And And then once every four or five turns you'll damage your opponent and then just start the lock all over again. Yeah. Or run them out of cards. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that does take a while. Yes. Um, and it's also not a perfect loop because there is every few turns going to be a small break where you could potentially get through. And it, that was... We'll, we'll get to that later, but that's what saved my life a lot. So... We don't want to harp on the deck, because ultimately there was a set that was released right after Gen Con, which obviously wildly changes the format. And then also, there were some rules changes, major rules changes that came in. And what's funny is those rules changes were coming in from, like, they were announced months in advance. Yeah, they 
But they just happen to murder this deck, which is yeah. good. <laughs> um, so, and I don't think the designers had this deck, at least specifically, in mind when they were making these rule changes. There were rule changes that definitely needed to happen, but then it was kind of fun because the designers do come to all the events. It was fun watching their faces as they were like, what is this deck? Do? Oh. 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 Which is kind of the oh. reaction everyone else had. Yeah. Um, People so... sat down across from it and, well, I don't want to mention that part because we'll get into it yeah. in the discussion about advanced, but... The deck took a lot of people by surprise, naturally. Yes. It especially took people by surprise when you were basically playing against the same deck three times, given mm -hmm. the nature of the format. And I have to give them a shout-out, because I really, just like Bunnies, and just like Spider Solitaire, although Spider Solitaire to a lesser extent, because that one's a little more interactive, but mm -hmm. I can appreciate that they found this loophole, essentially, in the format. I really can, too. I had tried to build something very similar, actually, and this is not a, oh, well, I'm just as good as them. No, I, I had tried a similar deck with a different hero, definitely not across three factions like they did, yeah. and I could not, it was close, and I said, there's something here, but I don't have time to figure it out, we'll just play decks that we know. And it ended up being, well, that idea definitely works, so I definitely, it's awesome seeing it. At the same time, I'm a I'm very happy that it is going away. Yeah, so um, for those of you who played the WoW TCG, because we did discover at Gen Con that there is a lot of crossover from people who used to play WoW, and now they were looking for another yeah. bright spot in their lives, um, that it's kind of like bunnies in that everyone should see it played or play it once, and then you never need to see it again. That's how I felt about this deck. It was really interesting and almost beautiful to watch happen. Watching was, someone play wa it is impressive. It was really impressive, and especially if they are playing someone else. They, um, yeah, when you, I am more than happy to watch it from afar, because yeah. playing against it, I, I had to play it twice in the top 16, and then my next opponent in the top 8, and it was watching them do what they're doing and trying to... It, it definitely felt like your brain was melting and it had to have been ten times harder for them. Yeah. Um, trying to, you know, plan out all these turns in advance and, okay, well, if, if he loops it this way or plays it in this sequence and if I can trap him into making this error, it's, it's definitely super technical. It was really cool. But at the end of the day, it's not a healthy deck to exist at the local level. No. Um, I think that it's a deck that would drive a lot of people away if it was going to show up at a lot of local events. Yeah. But it's dead, so... Yeah, so we don't want to harp on it too much, but it's both a uh, props and slops to the yeah. people who put that together because it, that deck is awesome. But man, do you suck for making that deck! <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of um, yeah. cool. Like we said, for our WoW people, it's, it's very much like Bunnies where it's super binary yeah. in that fashion. But... Let's talk a little bit about Advanced. So one of the things that I think helped this deck exist was Advanced. Yeah. If there was a sideboard, granted, I don't think anybody knew this deck existed coming in, except for the people building mm -hmm. it. But there is the potential that a sideboard card that you're running would overlap and defeat this. And that's one of the advantages and I get that people would think it, it kind of stifles creativity because, oh, well, you can just board these cards. You don't have to worry about it. But it's kind of an addition by subtraction. I don't know that the game is 
better by having a deck like that in the meta. And I think the fact that, okay, well, you could beat it once, Mm -hmm. but they're running the same deck three times, essentially. You're not going to beat it two more times if you aren't running whatever that key component is. I think advanced, for a number of reasons, encourages super linear decks. So if you're playing Magic, think Infect or Dredge. If you have the answers, great. You blow it out. You don't have the answers, you're taking an L. Yeah, there was a lot of feeling of almost rock, paper, scissors going into this event. Um, Now, part of that was a function of the card pool. Let's face it, there were only two sets. Yeah. It was set one and set two, and that's it. So there was a limitation and a ceiling on, oh, well, I got this really cool Grimus idea. Okay, well, there's like just straight up not enough support for Mm -hmm. that hero. But I think Advance worked a lot better than I was anticipating. Yes. But I won't say that it's my favorite. I really want sideboards, and I like playing single deck. If you've you've ever, and this is from, well, several years ago now, I think it was right around when Hearthstone was coming out of the beta, or when they first started the tournament scene for it, Brian Kibler of Brian Kibler Gaming. (laughs) had his really cute puppy. Had done a, a video explaining why he didn't feel Conquest with multi-deck formats were great for storylines. So, people watching the game, and I agree with a lot of those points. There are also a number of other reasons why I didn't like Advance. So we talked about the linear decks, and because of the lack of sideboards causing these things. I think it's also, and this one's kind of a, a sketchy one in that you're putting a, fin- a much, much larger financial burden on your players. Now, Oh, you're a tournament-level player. You should be able to do it. Yes. But there's a point where, okay, now for us, we have a unique situation. However, not that unique. Yes, there are a I lot of couples. I want to go into my segue, but you finish your thought first, and I'm going into my segue. Well, the, that's kind of it. It's yes. just that for this point, it, it can get very expensive. And yes, it's not nearly as expensive as playing Magic, where a single deck, maybe parts of a deck, will cost as much as all the decks in Lightseekers. But... It's still a thing that you should consider. Yeah. So go to your point. We'll come back. All right. So my point that I want to make that um, is one of the major reasons why I'm really enjoying Lightseekers is because, like we said, we're a unique situation, but we're not. There seem to be a lot of couples that play this game, um, and there also are a lot of women that play this game, which is exciting for me. And that's an important I'm, point to I'm bring up. Sorry, gentlemen. I'm going to go on this tirade for a second, but... The Lightseekers community has been really welcoming. Um, I haven't gotten anybody being super salty about losing to a girl, um, which is you you might not understand not be if you are not female, but it is a really nice feeling to not have a community that's going to get salty at that situation. Um, and there's a lot of women play. It was really it's a fun atmosphere, and I think I only even heard. One story about someone a while before who tangentially got uh, made a comment and the entire community shot them down. Uh, And that was, it's really nice going into a community that feels so welcoming and feels like they're going to take care of each other is a really... You know why that's the case, wife. 
Why? Because we have so many WoW players. I mean, this is true. I mean, the WoW community um, was great, the Harry Potter community is great, and we've been fortunate that we've now hit three in a row, that the Lightseekers community is really great. Now you're making me nervous about the next game <laughs> Well, yeah. Play. Maybe I shouldn't have said that out loud. But, so, but yeah, so the, the Lightseekers community is a really wonderful community, and so that's a big thank you to all of you who are listening, that you don't put up with the nonsense, and I appreciate it. Along those lines, well, not really along those lines, but it is a regarding the community before we get back into advance. So it, a lot of people were very willing to share information leading up to nationals. So understandably, when I reached out to people in the U.S. and they said they were going to nationals, they, they might have resisted a little bit. But all of the U.K. people, shout out to all you guys out there, Jaeger Noon especially, and all the other people that I must have messaged a thousand times who were very forthcoming with their thoughts on various parts of the formats, at, at least as far as what they could. A lot of people said, well, we haven't played Advanced. We don't know how mm-hmm. it'll shake out. But they at least were willing to share what they had. So back to Advanced. Uh, bottom line is, I'm not a huge fan of it. I And that's not to say that it's bad. And I don't think we want to give the impression that Advanced is a bad format. But I think that it's not nearly as fun. Yeah. Because I personally like to get attached to a specific deck. Uh, I actually was really looking forward to playing Trianu and virtually all my opponents banned it, which in the end I was okay with. Mm-hmm. I obviously did pretty well. Yeah, but... you made top four. Don't complain. And um, didn't you, like, you basically never played Cassini? I didn't. I think I played Cassini twice all day. Um, however, I guess I also shouldn't complain. I made top eight, so, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, so. It is hard when I like knowing my decks inside out and backwards and forwards and everything that could possibly go with it. And so it is hard going into advanced because you're going to know your decks well, but it's hard to know three decks. You're never going to know three as well as you know one. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's not going to happen. I think it. Cause it, and every for, so every format, no matter what you're playing, whether it's if you're playing WoW or Magic and you're playing Core Type Two, that warps the format. If you think of it as because you're artificially modifying the card pool, mm-hmm. it's the same sort of thing for this, where it changes how you what decks you can play. So, do you play slow decks? Do mm-hmm. you play fast decks? I play fast. Do you decks. play a mix? Do you play mid range? Do you and yes, that will come into play with your decision-making otherwise, but I feel it gets changed even more by virtue of the format. Yeah. So, okay, well, do I play a weird mind game and show this hero? And while I can certainly see why some people might enjoy that, I don't find that compelling or interesting. You're, like, essentially calling out everything I did, I feel like. What? Um, in the fact that you're, like, when we're thinking about it, husband goes, okay, what do you want to play? I was like... Fast. So, um, those of you who listen to our WoW side, I usually choose aggro because I have the attention span of a goldfish. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to play three aggro decks. Boom, that decision's done. And then we, I found a weird loophole with Ushi where I could play an Ushi, but not the usual Ushi. I could play aggro Ushi, and people weren't expecting that. And, you know, zing in there. And, like, you just essentially described my... 
my thought process without it actually being my thought process. Well, I mean, I don't have a problem with that in general. Like, it, it, it is a mind game to mess with your opponent that way. Oh, well, they're playing Dolo. Well, the, the lockout deck was playing Dolo, but it was certainly it was not, not the Dolo. usual Dolo yeah. deal. And to an extent, that's interesting, but I don't think the added layer of juggling these three decks adds enough mm-hmm. to make it worthwhile. Like, I don't feel as though any additional strategic decisions, yes, they influence the outcome of games. What you banned or did not ban and what matchups, but for one of the major things that I had an issue with, kind of goes back to the lockout deck. If you played that, and they were playing lock, and you were playing whatever, and you figured out what their lock is, and you figured out, oh, well, they have a gap on turn whatever. Guess what? You can then, in games two and three, try and play around that. Mm -hmm. By virtue of the way this format functions, you cannot do that over again because you're playing a different deck, or they're playing a different deck if they want. And... Yes, in this scenario with the lockout deck, the decks were very similar, but obviously they had to be different enough to justify the different heroes. It could have played out a little bit different. You may not even realize that they're doing that until several turns in. I, in best two of three, when you're playing the same deck, you do run the risk of, oh, well, I can't interact with that. I'm just going to get smashed two games in a row. There is yeah. the potential for that. But if you want to play a super linear deck... In that format, that's on you. You can make that decision. The way things are spread out in advanced, it doesn't feel great. And I don't think there's, again, enough of an advantage strategically, if there is one at all, to justify doing this weird format versus just playing normal. And that's before you get into the idea that a lot of the cards that have been printed will say Creeble Jester. Feel is or Creeble Monk, apparently a lot of the Creebles, were intended to be sideboard cards. Mm-hmm. So you're playing advanced, you're playing granite. Oh, well, they happen to main deck Creeble Jester. I guess I lose. You know, like you just yeah. have these feel bad moments where, well, the, what are the, the odds? Even there, it's not. And that's and it, really all it is. Now, they're. I guess what I'm getting at is if the game was designed with advanced in mind the whole time, which maybe it was, and maybe we'll see that as more sets come out, but it certainly feels as though sideboards were intended from the very beginning, and now we're in that awkward teenager transition phase where you're trying to, like, you you know where you need to be, but you're not there yet because of the way the card pool is. But we'll get there. The last Positive thinking. Last point I want to bring up on it is local versus tournament. So now there's a big disconnect. If, let's say, and I don't know if this is going to be the case, but let's say every major tournament from here on out is going to be advanced. There is zero chance you can successfully run advanced consistently at the local level. You can't expect people to, like we talked about, cost reasons. So you're talking about somebody who may have a family. You know, they only get to play once a month. And now you're asking them, let's say they did go out and buy a top-tier deck, say $150. You're now exp- asking them to drop 500 And that's that's really rough. Um, especially because, at least at our semi-local level, which is really fun, except they're an hour and a half away, so we don't get to go as much as we actually would want to, we see a lot of kids playing this game. 
Yeah. Ain't no way you're going to convince parents who may or may not be gamers to drop that much money on decks. Yeah, at least it, initially. it's just not a and reasonable ask. And if you ask. do, teach me your methods for convincing <laughs> them because I want to know. But even aside from the cost perspective, just the sheer logistics of doing it and then what happens when somebody shows up and they go, oh, well, I forgot I have these two decks or, you know, whatever, you ban something, I literally don't have a... You know, I was hoping yeah. you wouldn't ban that because I don't actually have a deck. There, there are logistical problems at the local level that wouldn't come up or wouldn't reasonably come up at the high tournament level. So now you have this disconnect of, oh, well, I want to go play in a tournament. I want to, you know, go to PAX and play with the big kids. And it's a totally different thing. Yeah. It's, you know, think, and it sounds silly, but think about... If your local store, you always play constructed and say, all right, I'm going to go to this tournament. It's draft. What the hell is draft? Yeah. And it's just learning this whole new thing. Now, the jump... Not really sh- enough. That happened to me once. But, but it, it shouldn't be as much of a jump from regular constructed to advanced. But at the same time, it is still a gap. And I don't know if that's good to have that. Mm-hmm. And if you're only going to do it once in a blue moon... So in, let's say instead of having all advanced at major tournaments. It's only, you know, once a year. That's also really weird because it's, oh, well, only this event. So for the diehard advanced enthusiasts, they don't get to play it much. And for the people who don't like it, it's like, well, I don't even want to play it. Yeah. So it it creates this weird thing. I don't know. I mean, maybe at the end of the day, it's not a big deal. Yeah, we'll see how it goes as the game grows. But, um... Hopefully, it all works out. I do have a lot of fun playing uh, Lightseekers. The event itself at Gen Con, I had a great time playing. Like we said, it was a little intimidating walking into a bunch of jerseys. It was even more intimidating being, like, some of the only ones not on a team on day two. Um, I think they were, like... Not wearing matching shirts. (laughs) I think there were, like, three of us on day two who were not part of a team. That was exciting. Um... It was my first time being a feature match. It didn't go well, but it was my first time being a feature match. Yeah, as that a family. Was a thing. Well, the yeah, your only feature match was when you got knocked out. Yes. My I usually I mean the the only way to make this not well, there's no way to make this not sound like I'm a choke artist, but I usually don't do very well on feature matches. My deck decides just He's not a to show artist. up. But I managed to win my first feature you match. Did. And, then, um, and that was against the lock deck, too. Yes. So then I played another one uh, off stream or off camera, and then I got knocked out by the eventual champion. So I'm okay with that. Yeah. that that's fair. So overall, like wife said, the event was a lot of fun. I think it was pretty well run. I don't think we really need... So for personal selfish reasons, I am a diabetic, and... The lunch break that they had was helpful. <laughs> yeah. But by the same token, this is, I don't remember the last time I had a lunch break, like a non-Light Seekers event, because it seems to be a common Light Seekers thing. Yeah, it definitely is a Light Seekers thing, but, and I don't think I've ever seen that before ever. No. Yeah. Like, just, I remember going to a WoW event, and I think it was Worlds in Georgia, and I think you started at, the player meeting was at 9.30 a.m., and I don't think you stopped until, like, 11 o'clock at night. Well, it wasn't Worlds, because that one I... I did I drop... Yeah, I dropped... I think I dropped at 3 and 3, so that one would have been quicker. But, like, Vegas... Vegas. Vegas, we were there, and we were there all day. It was, like, 15 rounds. Yeah. And 
Yeah, it's... Um, I, I appreciate what they're doing. It's definitely a cool thing. I think at this Gen Con, it probably was fine, because at that time they were doing the uh, cosplay parade. Yeah. So it probably would have been disastrous anyway to try and yell over, you know, the when they're parade, calling yeah. things out, to yell over anyone. Oh, as an aside, speaking of things that worked out better than I thought it would, the in-app pairings and stuff worked out way better than yeah. I anticipated. Now, this is also... At they do a really great job for people who don't have phones or don't have service. Yes. And um, they really did an excellent job this time. Yeah. Shout out to the Lightseekers crew. Cause shout the, out to the Lightseekers crew for many, many things. Yeah. They, they, so we've said it before, but it deserves repeating. The Lightseekers team really cares. Yeah. And you can tell. So I've talked to designers for other games, or I've attempted to. And you get, I mean... It's just an interpersonal thing. Yeah, you it's can like tell a real quick when conversation, and they want to be. It's done. like they don't want any part of you. They don't care. And then these these his guys. First conversation with Benny. I'm sorry, Benny. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Gen Con last year, I must have like <laughs> Benny had to have been sick of talking to me, but he did not let it show. He's uh, yeah. So um, shout out to Benny for dealing with husband for an hour and a half last Gen Con, yeah. talking about this game. So, real talk, the Lightseekers team, definitely, and you can see it in the changes that they make. You could be on the outside looking in and say, well, they keep changing their tournament rules. They have all these weird formats that we just spent all this time talking about. They they do all these things. That can't be good, right? No, it's, it's a great thing that these people are so involved and they care enough about the game that they are willing to... Because, as I said, when you talk to some designers from other games... They blow you off. Well, there's an ego part of it. It's who are you, it's my game, I know what I'm doing. The Lightseekers team, they definitely know what they're doing, it is their game, but they are willing to at least listen to feedback and say, well, our players are saying this, and then evaluate it, and then make a decision, and maybe they don't do what the players say or want, but they are willing to make a change if they feel it will better the game. And they discuss the reasoning behind their decisions, like, very frequently, like... We were talking to them, and they they said, well, we can't do that because of X. And I think that's another great thing, because it's very it's a very open group. And they say, yeah, we understand that, that you might see that way, but here's the reason why this might be a better idea. Yeah. And, and like so that also shows that they're not going to cave to everything the players want, but they're going to listen, they're going to evaluate, and they actually use logic. I love it when people use logic. Yes, it is very true. And I, it, it boils down to they seem to be personally cool people and they definitely have a head on their shoulders when it comes to the game design. So they know what they want to do. And I, it's a great thing to see in a game that's growing. Yeah. And that's the thing is that the game is growing. And that's the main reason that I voiced a lot of those concerns about Advanced is... I would love to see the game grow. The game is a lot of fun. So let's keep it growing. So, and speaking of growing, yes. new things with the game, it's not terribly new at this point in time, but there's an app, guys. I know most of you know that, but there's an app to play this game on your phone. And the new set is going to be in it probably by the time this goes up. Probably. Um, so all of that is really exciting, and it's a fun thing to do, especially at 3 o'clock in the morning when you can't sleep. It's free to play, kind of like they usually are, but it plays really well. The rule, it, it makes learning the game much simpler, 
and they're pretty generous with card acquisition too. Yeah. So when you first start out, you you, you get a pretty good base because you get basically you know you do the missions, you get a starter deck for everything, and it's halfway decent. And you know you, there's now ranked play, mm-hmm. which is really cool. I haven't really done much of that yet, but it does look really exciting. Yeah. So it there's a lot of awesome things and exciting things in the Lightseeker sphere. And. I really am excited to see what comes next, and I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, I'm definitely at looking. Unlocked. That's what I'm looking forward to is seeing what they want to do because I'm I'm hoping they announce since that's going to be towards the end of this calendar year what next year is going to look like. Because I I think if I remember correctly, Unplugged is their last thing on their tournament series for this year, so they still have some ARGs coming up. Uh, Delivery Crab, although it's not officially run through Play Fusion. They're running more Delivery Crab events. Hopefully we can make it to the one towards the end of the yes. year. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff coming up for Lightseekers. And if you get the chance to play it or demo it or whatever, I definitely recommend it because it's so wildly different from other card games in the way it plays and the way it's it's just awesome. It, it's tough to describe it without spending another two hours and we're already at an hour 20. So. Yeah, so... Um... With that in mind, um, we want to thank you all for listening to this great year of Random Thoughts. We've had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun at Gen Con, and we're excited to start gearing up for next year's Gen Con. Well, there's okay, other, there's other talk things about. There's do. stuff coming up, and there, we do have other yes. things on the horizon for us project-wise. So as we started out with, definitely hit us up with feedback. Let us know what you want to see more of or how you want to see it, how you want to hear it. Or if you're interested in potentially contributing, reach out to us and then we can, you know, discuss it offline. Yep. So without further ado, I'm wife. I'm husband. Join us next time for more random thoughts. So for all other things random thoughts, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. At our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com, you can now find us on Facebook under the tag of Random Thoughts. Or find us on Twitter, at randthoughtpod. That's at R-A-N-D, thought, pod. And please feel free to reach out to us on Gmail at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon. <laughs>